Hey everybody, this is Artist Friendly from Alternative Press. I'm Joel Madden, and this week is part two of our Chase Atlantic series. Today, I'm talking to Clinton Cave. For me, it's like the three of you in Chase Atlantic have three real, truly different perspectives, but like, it's kind of like a trifecta in a real way, like to me, it's like a trinity of like, on one side you have Mitchell, on the other side you have Clinton, and in the middle kind of bridging it is Christian. That's how I-, I He's I kinda, a peacekeeper. He's sort of, yeah, but he also like, he like we were talking in the car, like he has a cer certain amount of balance to him that like yeah. is what I think he needs. His choices tend to be very balanced. His head's very screwed on. And is very grounded and screwed on. And I think every group needs that. But then every but, group But highly needs, talented as well, though. Extremely talented. And, and quiet. He, he stays quiet about it and humble, but he's, he's got yeah. secret sauce in him. Now. I don't actually think he looks at himself as as talented as I think we think he is. But I think that's part of what he brings to Chase Atlantic is, uh, I think part of the reason you guys can continually go forward is all three of you bring these different motivations that you all need. So my perspective with you is you're the oldest, so you have a bit of a big brother thing, whether you want it or not. Yeah. And sometimes I think you and Mitchell act in different roles. Sometimes he's the big brother in ways and sometimes you're the big brother in ways. But I think you guys have a really wild chemistry as brothers. And it's like, it's weird. It's like, uh, it's like something like I've never seen in anywhere in any other band. And then you have Jesse and Pat, obviously too, that yeah. are like, that are like- They're brothers, yeah. Yeah, your brothers. And they definitely like anchor the band in a lot of ways. And, and like, there's this like, this union of people that all like have grown up together, know each other and accept each other. And they're, they're pro what they do. Like not just even the music side, like they're great musicians. Yeah. But around that, you know, the way they conduct themselves, the way they can hang out and still be brothers. and. Like all the work we've been through since we like started, like when we went on the road in 2017, it was just the five of us. Yeah. And we brought Dwayne out and a, a bus driver. Yep. I think he had like one crew guy with him too. And yeah, Jesse and Pat, you know, stepped up to roles that we didn't necessarily ask them to do, but they just did it. And, yeah. and you just see them now, they're just so professional around, you know, those environments and stuff like that. And they're humble. Yes. And... They know you guys better than anyone, and you know them better than anyone. And I think there's a real brotherhood. When I'm around, I see a family that of guys that have all grown up together and been yeah. through all kinds of stuff. And um, I think that as a group, though, I look at you guys, and I see all these different elements that make it what it is. And I think sometimes when you're in it, like you are – you guys aren't necessarily going to be able to zoom out and give each other and yourselves the kind of credit that I can. I'm emotionally invested and attached, but not the same way you are. I'm not, it's not, you're living in the middle of this kind of crazy like world. Yeah. I think in the downtimes though, like, you know, we kind of separate a little bit between stuff and get time to think back to it. And that's when it kind of, I wouldn't change it. You know, I wouldn't want to change any, anything in the band or anything like that and the touring. Yeah, I get to look back and you know, I get a little teary sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's kind of sweet. Yeah, because you guys have come a long way. And you're, nice the, you're, you're the oldest one. So yeah. you, you've you been at it the longest, essentially. Yeah. And um, and probably, I think... I just made Mitchell a little 
It was, it was on that at the beginning too. It just made him like a little child star, kind of ruined his whole childhood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> made him a little Disney guy. Nah, he. Um, Do you regret it? No. Can't no. change. I mean, it, right? I mean, yeah, I'm still an older brother, so I was probably a bit of a dick sometimes. Right. Um, he's still a little shit, but like, I think it's good to like learn doing that together. You know, you can make jokes about it sometimes. Right. Like, oh, Clinton stole my childhood. Blah blah. blah. But no, he, he definitely wanted to do it as well. Right. I think we just both had fun doing it at the beginning, which is the main thing. It's and then Christian your... too. We all just had fun. It's always been your dream? Yeah, I think so. It just feels right. I don't want to like have a different job. Never really wanted to have a different job. Maybe different hobbies and stuff as well. But like, it just feels very natural. Um, you know, life has just changed so much in the last few years that, you know, I kind of s- step back a little bit and try to delegate more. Yep. And in doing that, I maybe step back a little bit too much and sometimes. Yeah. And it, <clears throat> it was good because it allowed Mitchell and Christian to kind of take lead as well and be grown men and grow up. And that's what you're saying when Mitchell can be the older brother too because I kind of just fell back a bit and let them kind of do their thing. It was beautiful to watch. But now, you know, like coming into this year, I'm realizing that, you know, we got we got stuff to do. We got like I want to make. It's only just like it hasn't changed. Nothing's gone down. Everything's just consistently going up slightly, like it always has been. Yeah, and I think now is just the perfect time to really focus up, and you know, I'm trying to get my life sorted in many areas, and I think it's going to be really. I'm, I feel confident going into this next album process, and just from here onwards, you know, I'm about to turn thirty, and I'm just finally realizing, like, yeah, probably time to sharpen up a little bit again. So mm-hmm. I'm not getting any younger, so. I'm going to make some special shit happen, you know? Yeah. And then I actually don't feel discouraged by age either, like, at all. I feel more confident now probably than I ever have at this age now. And I don't feel like I need to be, like, you know, my early 20s anymore. I think 30s are the best decade. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's when people come into their power. If I can behave myself, I'll, I'm going to have a great 30s. I, dude, I think you. I think that 30s is the best decade. I think you come into a real self-understanding. Yeah. And you're still young, though, so you still, yeah. you know, and, you know, I think that, I think it's your best decade. So you were telling me that the last three weeks since you've gotten back, yes, you guys were on tour, you were I pushed it a little all bit around hard. the world, and you were saying that this last three weeks you feel like, and maybe the first three weeks extended period of time that you've been able to have to yourself to like clarity and come back down and focusing earth. on myself coming down from earth and just taking care of myself a little bit better as calming well. your nervous system probably yeah i, I with, with the shows and, and traveling and never having a secure home for like months on end like i think it just finally got to me you know mm-hmm. um i was on a few different psych meds as well mm-hmm. which you know have helped here and there through the years of my 20s, which is why I'm looking forward to my 30s, being more confident in myself. Um, coming off them at the end of last year was a bit rattling. Um, definitely lost the plot a little bit. Probably had a few too many drinks. Right. Uh, you know, it all mixes up, right? Yeah. Really upset my stomach. Um, ended up getting uh, acute pancreatitis, mm. which is actually from stress as well. Mm. I think it just aggravated it with the, the drinking and stuff like that. Is it possible though, like when you get a minute to stop and unpack all the layers, you're you've been going really hard, making records, touring for almost for a decade, really, just going for it. Not a lot of calm in that. 
you kind of hit a peak fever. What I would say is an early peak moment, right? Like one of your first real, like what I think is like Chase Atlantic is one of the biggest bands in the world that people still are discovering, right? Like I look at it and you go, you have all these fans, you sell more tickets than a lot of pop artists, but you're just still getting discovered by like the world at large. As a band and your fans and you guys are like, you've been building this relationship with this large group of people for the last, you know, real like seven years of grinding for sure like just touring making records touring making records not stopping yeah and but the downtime in in those little gaps too because of the traveling you don't necessarily get the proper experience of it right but it's also scary the calm i i I like chaos the calm can can definitely make you feel like everything's gonna go away or something i like Um, chaos though it's it's a very fine line jesse was telling me yesterday because he's actually looking into Studied behind, you know, the brain and yeah. and touring and the highs and lows, which is incredible. That movie is going to be incredible when it's yes. when it's done. I can't say too much, but he had a great right. interview yesterday with a really uh, important person that uh, they're looking into doing actual proper studies now about it just for that. Will you let them study your brain? One hundred percent. I'm like, yeah. I was like, put me in. It's free healthcare for me. Like, yeah, I'm Australian, so I don't get the insurance. So please put me in your film about health. Uh, but no, no. That being said, yeah, like there's a fine line between chaos and creativity and to get the ultimate creativity, you need to get close to that line, but not cross it. But when you're on tour, you put people in that environment where there is chaos and no controlled necessarily timeline or schedule. Yeah. And it can push the artist over and then that can be a danger zone sometimes. Do you, so I guess my question is growing up, were you always anxious? Were you always kind of like deeply emotionally like your your emotional experience and what you would say the things that maybe you've struggled with um we could wrap it up in the mental health label but really it's like your emotional experience on this planet right yeah. living um would you say you were always kind of acclimated towards being anxious and having kind of a like a, a conf- conflicted emotional experience I, I don't think i was like too self-aware of my emotional state or my mental health until like the age of 19 pretty much okay or 18 even then it's like when i had my first real panic attack which was actually induced by some stupid behavior but um what like drugs and alcohol yeah but okay. it was like it was legal at the time but it was right. that I don't Whatever. Know, I was like, I was yeah. a kid, but it was synthetic weed. I didn't know because I, I thought it was legal. I was doing the right, right. thing. Right. I just sprayed shit. All that stuff's yeah. terrible. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the synthetic that stuff triggered is, it, and yeah. that was my first ever panic attack proper. And I went, "Oh, I have this." Right. I and mean, it was a big one. I was like, "This is not good." And it gave me like PTSD almost that day. Like I still get scared right. going it back to that you. point. Right. I was like, yeah. "That was slapping the wrist stuff for sure." Um, that's not that's the wrong terminology for that, but um. Yeah, I think I wasn't self-aware because I was a swimmer, professional swimmer growing up. You know, I was training 11 times a week. It just takes so much discipline. Yeah, so I kind of thrive under like a lot of workload and stress. So chasing line is actually kind of healthy for me. If I can focus my, you know, my energy in the right direction, it keeps me busy and it keeps me moving and I have to keep doing stuff and I love it. Uh, When I kind of lose sight of that or like maybe lose the passion temporarily, which has happened here and there, um, and there's so many factors to it. I think, I think when I lose the passion a bit, which it's coming back very quickly, by the way, I love, I'm loving it again and it's something I want to keep doing, but that's what scares me. That's when I get to a dark place. Right. Um, 
but growing up, I was so much disciplined. It was like 11 times a week um, training, you know, get up at 4.50, uh, train for like two and a half, three hours. Did you like it? I wasn't forced to do it. Did you want to be My a... My parents thought I was a bit did crazy. You, did you want to be a, a swimmer for at least a few years there? I, I think so. I think towards the end, I realized that there was more that I wanted to do. But I was never forced into it. I just wanted to be best. I was, I was like, I got to... Do you think I you gotta would, win this? I was smaller than everyone. I gotta win this, you know. Do you think you would beat Cody Simpson in a race? Oh, that's a tough question. This is, he's a he's a pretty solid lad at the moment. <laughs> he's a pretty good swimmer. He's a pretty good swimmer. Do you think he could swim as fast? Like if well, I, I was, was, I wasn't born with the muscular legs like him. I got, like, but these fucking, legs are strong though, bro. Dude, he, I'm I'm happy for him. He, you let I'm me train as much as that, him. That you guy. let me train as much as him. Then I'll beat him. Okay. But I'm not going to, so that's not actually a call out. You I'll guys, the full you credit. guys would be friends anyways. Yeah, I'm sure. I, you know, actually, he was, I think, a year or two younger than me. Um, I met him when he was 12. Yeah. And he just made III or something like that. Yeah. We we're both at the state swimming competition together. Okay, so you were both And swimming. he was a quick kid. He was good. I mean, I was hadn't developed yet either, so I was like pretty whatever. But he can't play the sweet saxophone like you. I'm sure so he has the lungs for it, though. So he you guys try. have your strengths. His his may be a little faster swimmer than you, and you may be better saxophone. Do you think that the swimming helped your saxophone play? I mean, I haven't seen him on the computer either. I'd like to see him in a yeah production mixing session yeah. or engineering session. I don't know. No, I'm not calling him out. I'm sure he's a good lad. Yeah, he, he is. Yeah, it's um, just funny because you're but both no, swimmers. He, he is. He's been training. He's yeah. I have no chance. I may be in like a 20 meter sprint. You get me past that. It's very Aussie. Aussie, yeah. It's very Aussie to like swim like good like you guys. Yeah, it just came naturally too. I don't know. Did you train in the ocean? Yeah, I did some ocean swims. I didn't mm. really train in there. I just, on the weekends when I had days off, I would go out and race. <laughs> I'm terrified of the ocean. I don't go in it. It's pretty spooky sometimes. Yeah. Pretty scary. It can be very... Uh... But that being said, like I used to be like in a whole group of all these grown men like wearing full Stingray outfits. Right. And I just had my little dick togs on. What do you call them? DTs in Australia? Dick togs? What are those? They're just the little... Uh, like or funky uh, trunks too. Oh like yeah, little, little shorts, like little just little speedos. Shorts. Yeah, yeah. And then we would have like stinger suits on. I'd be like, Nah, don't worry about it. Just hop in, just all skin in the water. And then, not trying to brag or be cocky, but I guess the you know I have like a group of swimmers in the ocean because they're all racing. And yeah. like, if you're a shark or anything, you're gonna see it and be like, there's a lot of stuff going on there. Um, I would always just sprint ahead and just be completely by myself, pretty right. much naked in the ocean, just going, just swimming it. fast. Just didn't think I would just go and do it. Do you have ADD, ADHD? Mitchell doesn't believe I do, but I think it's ADD. Mitchell has ADHD. It's definitely like a. It's it's hard to put a label necessarily on the one genre. It's a spectrum, it. right? Spectrum, yeah. yeah. So it's a it's a whole spectrum of like a a, a certain wiring. I think yeah yeah. I don't think I think it's a lot of creative artists group. have it. But yeah, of course, creative brains wired a certain way. Um, they tend to have ability to focus on things they're interested in, hyper focus on things you're interested in. Yeah, I'll get locked on just like RCD very low tolerance for boredom and things you're not interested in, which 100%. can be painful. painful. Um, and I think that that's something that you probably suffer from. Yeah, it, I, I wouldn't say it's like hyper, but I definitely. You know, in some conversations, like if I'm having a conversation, not, not this conversation, because it's a nice conversation. It's, yeah. It's we always have good conversations. It's fulfilling, yeah. Yeah, it's good. But it's if good someone's hang. talking to me about boring stuff, I'll just keep <clears throat> interrupting and saying something on top of them or answer all their questions for them. I'm just like, get to the point. What are you talking about? Like, I have to, like, keep, like, 
you have to find something. It's like pleasure seeking as well. Like yeah. I don't like being bored. Right. I don't like being like static and not enjoying something. Yeah. Really frustrating. I it's hard to, for me. It's hard to finish tasks. I yeah. Find it really hard. That's an ADHD. ADHD yeah. I know, I, ADD. Whatever. I can always symptom. get to like towards the finish line, and like once the hard work's done, I'm like I don't want to finish it. Like it's I put it aside and wait till later. Or always like put things aside and be like ah. I can do that later. Or I'm trying to, I have an organizer now, finally, getting my life in order. And I'll start ticking off what I need to do. But as soon as I like open the, that task, I see something from a different task right. and I instantly dive into that, which mm. reminds me of another task which I didn't add to the schedule. That sounds, like, just a, keep, that sounds like ADD. Yeah, it, it definitely is there. Um, and that actually does cause a little bit of distress and depression too. Yeah, I didn't realize until, yeah. you know, and I kind of realized I had that going on in my head. And, and once I recognized it and worked on it, it definitely eased a little bit of the. Don't you feel like mental health is a running theme throughout Chase Atlantic's music, though? Yeah. Mitchell, Don't you feel like a lot of your fans are experiencing the same thing that yeah. you guys are and that your music and, you know, at first glance, you may hear the like the party side of your music that sounds like it's just, but actually you go to a layer beneath Escape it and really you realize that it's actually a part of the, like the experience you're having is you're trying to ease your mind from this kind of, this uh, overwhelm, this, uh, these feelings. And like Chase Atlantic is a bit of, you've made it your life, but it's also been a great kind of escape for you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's definitely escapism and like people don't want to necessarily hear like and for your fans like a song about how I went to my room and went was quiet because I was anxious and crying. Right. More you can maybe flip that into a line where it has to do with uh, what can be taken as a fun event or something like that. I will say like going back now and like sitting down listening because I'm usually very focused on the mix as well, mm -hmm. which I'm trying to let go of and try and focus you know, in the moment with Mitchell and Christian on the actual writing and stuff. Mm -hmm. And they've been writing uh, lyrics really deep just for so many years now. Yeah. To know that, like, went on a Mitchell's brain, even when I just see him as, like, a little kid, you know? Smart boy. Both of them, very smart boys. And looking back at that now, I'm like, damn. Maybe I should have realized that, you know, everyone's going through some shit as well, but, like, it always just felt mine, not to be selfish about it, maybe it came across that way when I was younger, but it, not that they're saying it was worse, but the place I used to get to in my head, it, it's just so physically like disabling that, you know, just take me out of the earth, I'd feel like I'm an alien, I'd be scared, shaking, couldn't like, couldn't think of one thing or look at one item in the room or anything without feeling an overwhelming like urge of like pretty much mm. it's really hard to explain like a really bad imbalance mixed with situational factors which you know people will say like even i look at my life i'm like i don't really have anything to be ungrateful for it just really is um what's the word it's uh it doesn't uh discriminate against it, it, anything. It, it, yeah it doesn't and i don't think gratefulness has anything to do with it yeah. i think when you're when you're experiencing an emotional state and you're in that experience, I don't think it has anything to do with gratefulness. I yeah, mean, gratitude is a tool we can use to try and pull ourselves out of it. Yeah. I definitely tell my, you know, I tell um, if I'm talking to someone 
I always find that people a lot of times open up to me about their emotional experience. I find that a lot of people talk to me about how they feel, which I like because I've, you know, like you're I, good at talking about it and you're honest. I enjoy you it. You can trust you trust where the guy. Yeah, like I'm not gonna like use it against you in the future. You know what well, I that, mean? Like depending it, on the contract, though, it might say might use it against no, you in the future. No. <laughs> no, I think what I like is to be a safe place for people to be themselves. So I don't judge people. I don't judge people for doing anything that I appreciate that. I've always been able to come to you guys. You, you know? can always tell me and what you're doing. And sometimes it's embarrassing. It's like I didn't mean to but be also, this much of a dickhead, but I was. I, it's not embarrassing though, because yeah. we've all done it. Every person that's listening right now has had a moment where they did something and yeah. they go, I wish I didn't do that. We all have. Anyone that's not saying that, like, trust me, bro, I've had. I have definitely have my sloppy moments where I'm like, why did I do that? I know. But your body kind of just we have to be kind to ourselves though. Yeah. After we have to treat ourselves like we would treat our like kid. Like we would never see our kid anything they could do. We would just put our arm around them and go, it's okay, dude, you fucked up. It's okay. It's like, come on. Let's, let's come on. Let's, let's just move through this. But we have to be kind to ourselves and we're not. Because all the information we get on the outside most of the time is not kind. It's criticism. So we have a critical voice always. I mean, it's why we do what we do as well because we are critical of ourselves. And I find with you hyper-creative, um, and, I, and I, say, I say this in the, in the sense of like creativity, your brain is on a different wavelength most of the time and you're creating, whether you realize it or not, it's what I notice. So most of the, 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 the little tasks, getting to point A to point B, doing the laundry, doing the dishes, doing the like uh, things that other people might find extremely simple to just work into their day. Someone who's thinking about something that's a million miles away. 100% always. And they fine. have to figure out how to get there in light speed. And they have to solve that riddle in their head, whether it's a song or an idea or the next vision they have to have. They it, it, it blocks them from doing the simple things. And then they get frustrated because you have to do the simple things yeah. to live. You got to eat. You got to get up and get dressed. Oh, you, you know, and so I, too tough already. I think that there's like a wiring of our brains that like we have to learn how to live with this kind of. It's a blessing and a curse. It's really interesting you said that because I, I was thinking about that recently as well. I'm really glad you brought that up because, you know, I, I was thinking about it and, you know, people see you, they might be like, oh, he's moving slowly or he's not like, like not on another planet. Not even me, just anyone that has it, even yourself maybe like that same, getting the little task done like at the present time when you're already thinking like 20 days or 20 weeks or years in the future, right? I think my brain works and it subconsciously, almost consciously, but subconsciously, is already working on stuff like for like three months from now. Totally. Like I, where I'm going to be. I know that I'm, setting, I'm setting up little stones along the way. And then I get to a point and people will be like, Clint, how are you going to be able to do this? Or like, how are you going to afford that car? Like what, like, what are you doing? But I've subconsciously been planning little things without even telling myself, it's called manifestation. Yeah. But the manifestation is really just putting a plan action early without like it's implementing it. it early and imagining it. But you don't realize you're doing stuff to even talking to someone or going to a certain place at the time of day 
but, to meet with someone that might change your whole path in like a week or but two. But that is, well, yeah, that's so the alternate reality, alternate universe, like that there's like a million versions of the reality we're in right now. And if we change the way we think, we shift ourselves towards whichever version of the reality. Uh, it's like a, it's like a, it's like, it's like a like calibration Avengers. a bit, right? And if I see it as like when you see like the, uh, you know, when there's like the, the, the trail when something slow when someone slowed something down and you can see it every single frame and it looks like a trail of the yeah. object that's flying through the air. Yeah. That's like the versions of reality. And like we 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 shift our our dial and calibrate towards our good or towards our bad. And 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 the the interesting thing is I think the good thoughts are way more powerful than the bad ones. So I think that they they're like even if you wake up with a bad thought, if you, by the end of the day, establish the sense of peace and power and good, you've already shifted that more by doing that 100%. than the whole day of bad. So I always try to encourage people who are struggling with depression and struggling with like negative thinking that like, as long as you land on one good, powerful thought, like it's going to be okay. You'll get to the next day and you just got to put those days together. But anyways... Firstly, you've been watching too many Avengers and Marvel movies. No, I, I do I'm love those. I, 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 I do actually love have those. a guilty pleasure Ant with them Man. too. Jesse gives me shit for it, but yeah, I actually, I, I kind of, you know, there's, there's solid writing in there. Like, you know, I can't deny it. It's true. It's the, it, so, and the but what, what are you saying though? Like your perspective, right? And having a positive thought by the end of the day, it is tough with mental health because when you wake up, sometimes you automatically, most of the time, for me, very anxious and depressed, and feel like everything I've done prior is like nothing and. I'm just stuck from like so. Okay, so can I give you a little tip? Yeah, because we're friends. Yeah, I wouldn't do this if you didn't want it. If you didn't want to hear it. Um. So the the hyper creative, ADD type brain. I think they. Um. My therapist was telling me this, and so I'm relaying information from a, a professional that I really trust. Um. They're, they're wired in a way that you wake up feeling a little overwhelmed, groggy. Yeah. Um, it, they say that getting into your physical body first is like probably the first medicine you can take for that is like a physical activity, whether it's like keeping a pair of dumbbells in your room and when you get up, just hit some bench presses or do some push-ups or you if you can go back to the gym or if you can go no but like yeah, not even that you. involved like if you can go for a walk great but even if okay, it's so like physical first physical first get in your body because you know it's easy to wake up and just be in your head and then that's go your the front. thing get that's the thing is like we tired we we tend to like get in our head and out of our body yeah and then we kind of like we lose touch with our physical reality and reality is much different than the reality we create here yeah. in our head. Oh, it's so warped. It's crazily warped. And our imagination is our blessing and our curse. The blessing you have is you have an imagination. You manifest shit. Look what the life you've created. Chase Atlantic, your life, your, you live an incredible lifestyle. Oh, that imagination can put some dark places. But it can head, take you to a dark place. That's why I struggle with is that creativity turns it, my head just goes to the most creatively dark places you could ever imagine, and I'm stuck there. Like, yeah, it's so, so strong. So anxiety and 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 ang and and thought processes that cause anxiety. So your imagination, I think, 
misdirected is a really dark thing. It's a nuisance, yeah. But directed at something that you want is really powerful because people with the kind of unhinged imagination like you that have a completely, uh, they're, they're not holding it back. So a lot of people, I think, hold themselves back. They, 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 they can make you sad too as well when it's done right. Yeah. They constrict their imagination to only be to the present moment or what the reality that they've chosen to kind of accept dictates what's possible. But the imagination that's un, untethered can really actually be the most powerful uh, to me. It creates the future life. That same imagination, though, untethered, directed at the wrong thing, gets dark, mm-hmm. right? So we have to kind of learn how to drive the crazy, like that. we have to learn how to fly the thing. And we have to be able to, I had to learn this over two decades. I had to learn when my imagination was going down a bad place. And I still have to work on it, right? But my question- Look where it got you guys though, it's amazing. Just like you're a third of Chase Atlantic's success and you represent a very critical thing in the group, for me anyways, um, and to everyone. Um, but what I'm saying is, is when I look at Chase Atlantic and I look at the group, everyone in it contributes something unique that only yeah. they could. Yeah. I like, look, at for you, I see it's unfiltered, it's raw, and it's that it's that untethered imagination that can run wild and it can be really good and it can be really bad and you're in a corner shaking yeah. going what the fuck where are we yeah. so that as bad as that is to experience it contributes something that makes the the group and the art and the whole thing extremely special and extremely um it's like art it's like when you look at like a Jackson Pollock or you look at like um, the, you know, when you look at art that was not constructed, I'm, pretend I know that, I'm sorry. It, it, it's just, it's, 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 it's completely free art that okay. is not, it's not design based in the sense of like, uh, perfect lines. Yeah. And it's, it's wild. You know, what's tricky though. I will say this colorful is having that, uh, you know, that creativity there and that, that chaos of creativity and and be unfiltered, right? But then I have really bad OCD and I'm, I'm a perfectionist. So like, I also will cancel out my creativity by trying to perfect every little thing, which actually helps a lot for the mixing Don't you think the OCD is probably, wouldn't but, you guess? But it, but it conflicts that and then sometimes it kills the creativity and then it it's like a little battle that goes on and I get really frustrated by it. It's like, what am I? Wouldn't you guess though that the the wildfire of creativity that's like kind of burning in your your mind, right? Yeah. That your physical brain is trying to make sense of it and get control of it, so it causes you to have obsessive compulsive uh, tendencies. Yeah, because I have because I you want to them feel control. Yeah, because you don't feel in control. Because you're, you're, there's a part of you that you will never be able to necessarily fully control, which is the creativity. And it, like, what if like the creativity is something you've been wrestling with longer, like for your whole life? Okay, you're my new therapist, by the way. Thank you very much. 
But I'm just saying, like, don't. What, it's like, very true. No, I think that make sense? I think That's control I think. control is so like important when you really don't have control of your creativity. I, I, you know, I sit there. My mind always goes to the darkest places, which can be great for comedy sometimes. Sometimes it gets you in a lot of trouble, um, and you never really mean anything like that. But like, yeah, I think the OCD kicks in and tries to control tries that. To control it, and it's a natural reaction, right? Yeah. So it seems like it makes sense to me. Therefore, I would like love my OCD and try to just enjoy the little things about my OCD that like. If I like to keep that shelf completely perfect and I like to make sure this, I have a thing with seating. I have OCD too. So just so you know, this is the only um, reason why yeah. I can share. Seating. Um, seating. Like, like when like, I go into a restaurant, where we sit. Oh, you like the feng shui mm-hmm. and like the make sure it's the right spot, the people around you. Me and my wife have a, she has had to deal with this. My whole, no. <laughs> our whole relationship, 16 years. We'll go into a restaurant, they'll seat us and I'll go. Mm-hmm. She's like, hun, this is fine. The seat's fine. You don't need to, we don't need to move. And I'm like, yeah, I don't like it, hun. We got to move. We need, I, we need to sit over there because, and I have some reason in my head and I never know why I, because of the, where, where the room is, where my back's to people or like, I, I feel un, like anxious about where we're sitting. I, I couldn't agree more because I get social anxiety uh, funnily enough too. And it's become a funny little quirk that like. Does she make fun of you for it now? No, we. She's a, just she's, a little jumpy. She's about very like, loving, and we uh, and we've learned how to like. Ninety percent of the time, we stay where they sit us now. And oh, you're working on it. Worked you're, on. You're changing it. up the script. Ninety percent, eighty percent, eighty percent, eight out of ten times. But you've actually you actually know the map of the restaurant. But you now called them got, in advance. Be like, yeah, I'll sit where they tell us. To well, sit. there's a few restaurants where they know we <laughs> this table, and that's the one we like. And I'm like, well, where are we on? She's like, what's going on, honey? And I'm like, we're not at our table. This is not our table. No, what's the difference? She's like, oh, hun, it's fine. You know, like it's like a little thing. But it's been a long time she's been with. So, so now it's now it's gotten. I've gotten because I'm aware of it. Yeah. And, and I and I'm being like, it's just fucking weird, and it's a quirk that I have. As soon as you're aware of it, too, weird. it becomes more like prominent too. And then, do you I'll, think it's because you want to protect as well? It probably really protected. It's like having your back to like people. Gives me a lot of anxiety. Sometimes. I also had like a lot of trauma as a kid. Okay. So I think there's something about safety, something about anyways. And and then when I'm anxious about work, if I'm stressed, my OCD kicks up in certain spots. Yeah. And so, um, but she's really, really cool about it. We laugh about it. It's good you can laugh about it. And we both, it, but when I'm like, sorry, hon. Do you I make little can't... noises or like little like? No, no. Like uh, because I can share do you, with Do you her, rub the eyes or like the face? Like No, no. But I, I just can't, I can't like focus on the dinner yet yeah. until I'm like, <laughs> settled. And then we've gotten to a place where I can just be like, I'm sorry, hon, I cannot fucking sit at this table. We need to move or we need to leave. And she's like, okay, then just go and tell them. And I'll be like, okay, I'll be right back. And then I'll go and I'll work it. And, I'll, and then I have to go talk to the poor person who is, doesn't give a fuck where I'm sitting and is just working god bless them yeah like i gotta add one more thing to their day yeah and i go i'm really sorry would you mind if we switch and most of the time it's like yeah like who fucking cares you could have but it's a big deal in your head because you've been but working up the courage to do it, it so that is the experience right that you have that like i still i have those restaurant experiences i have those right. public experiences i do the same thing with my partner now and like but i don't fight it i i try to contain it i go uh, yeah I just, I contain it contain but then i'm 
you, but you, it's funny like you're saying that with Nicole too. Like you work on it, you talk about it now. And well, yeah, I go. It's uh, a funny thing, really. And she's like, okay, hon. And like, you or, laugh at it. And now it's gotten to 80 to 90% of the time. Now the conversation is just which seat I'm going to sit in instead of like, we're at the wrong table. And I realize that is complete bullshit. It's all funny. in my head. It's, it's Doesn't matter where point. I sit. Yeah. But in my emotional experience, for whatever reason, I'm just like, uh, and that's just a one example of probably like, 10 little things that I have that like she is aware of and we we laugh about it most of the time that's like, social anxiety too though I think a little you know? bit of oh, absolutely and, and, and you know you've had such a successful career I think there's probably times where you've been at places where you did want to hide a little bit you know what I mean like maybe like absolutely just so you don't like get interrupted for your dinner not that you don't want to be like rude or anything but I mean, you just don't have the capacity like the energy in you to I also think artists are put on a brave face all I the think time. artists and I, and I was an artist first and I'll always be an artist first. Yeah. Um, so I'll always like feel the experience when I watch another artist do something good or bad. I always feel it, feel when they're going through something bad or when they're yeah. winning something or having a great experience. I always feel it. Um, artists, I think, I think we're shy. I think we're generally shy. Yeah. And I think we want attention, affection, validation, all the things that like yeah fame and stuff bring you but i think can become because maybe we didn't know how to take it get it when we were younger it's too much yeah maybe i don't know it, it's so true i um had a great conversation with um just before i went back to australia last year i yeah. kind of settled down after i came off my meds and stuff and i had a beautiful conversation with josh actually and he josh is the best he's the best i was talking about you guys you know as brothers as well um and he was saying, you know, he got to, a, at the beginning, as as most people would think, like, maybe I want to be, like, in the limelight as well. Like, maybe I'm jealous. And, he, and then he said, he realized very quickly that he was very happy in himself in the world. And, you know. And that we're jealous put, of him putting, sometimes. Exactly. It's, like, pretty much what he said. Not in a bad way, like, in a really nice way. And I went, oh, that's fair. He's like, you know, you're always kind of put, asked to put on, like, a brave face and smile or be nice no matter what. Now, it's not that bad. I'm making it sound a bit dramatic. No, but. it's not. You no, know, there's the, the upside and yeah. there's the downside. There's always going to be an but upside. But you don't get usually a choice after the after you sign. With, like, it's like you're saying, I think he's mentioned Subway, right? He's like, you can go to Subway, put on the shirt, you, you're nice to people. Then as soon as you take it off, it doesn't matter anymore. Yep. Like, you can just do whatever you want. But as soon as you say, my job is, you know, my job is Joel Madden, then for the public, you pretty much have to keep that Subway and shirt their on. And the Joel Madden shirt on because... You're pretty much in the work as long as you're in the, like the in the in the absolutely, yeah. and I think we're all guilty of it. Yeah. By the way, we're all human. Our idea of people, it gets somehow seared into our brain. It's not like we asked it to be seared into our brain. So yeah. when someone gets famous and they get and they get big for something, we we develop an understanding of that person as like a symbol in our brain. I think this is what I think. No, I believe that. And it's stuck like that forever. So there's a whole group of people that if they recognize you, it's because the image of you is seared in their brain for some, it's associated with something. And then they associate you with that. And then when they when they come up to you or they interact with you, a lot of them are, are especially like when I think fame gets to a pop level, it's different than yeah. a Chase Atlantic fan will see you and have an experience to share or a lyric or a, or a moment different than like a, a 
some housewife that saw you in a tabloid and or read something and established an idea of you that's not anything to do with your art. And then they come up and interact with you in the world and it's not like a it's not a very quality interaction. It's like a very it's kind of a very like top line idea of maybe something about you. And that one time would be fine or two times would be fine. But over time, I think it would start, it starts to create this kind of like confrontational relationship that yeah. people have with people. See, I personally feel like I remove myself from it yeah. in enough ways that like I get to have a pretty true, quiet life most of the time. Yeah, you can definitely do it. You know, some people don't want that though. Some people want to be in the limelight, I feel like. Which is fine. By the way, if it some works people, for them, go for it. I think some people have, I think it's a little bit of a drug in a way. I think 100%. some people have an addiction to it. Um, I don't really judge any of it. I have yeah. lots of different friends who are like varying levels of success at different things. And like, they all are doing fine. Yeah. And they all deal with it in their own ways. But I do think that you have to give yourself the space to to develop your own understanding, your own relationship with that part of it. But like like you said before, um, the thing is we are doing well, but we position ourselves in a way where we're not necessarily in the limelight all the time either. I think for Chase Atlantic, it's like a brand too. And, and it's the music that speaks for itself. So yep. it is nice to have that recognition. That's what I was going to talk about. And that little bit of ego boost because that's kind of what you're looking for. Just like some sort of love or attention in a way. Positively, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, we all need that. And it can somehow. be very overwhelming. And But at the same time, like, you know, I can I, I pretty much live a fairly quiet life, too, where I don't... Yeah, you are very I'm not, quiet and, and not reclusive, but I, I'm not, like, celebrities or anything. Like, I can definitely walk around the street and be fine. No one's really going to recognize me or anything. Mitchell's braids definitely set them apart a little bit. I think you guys are in that sweet spot. Yeah musicians love you fans love you and you're like you're 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 obviously you're you're but you're still whether you want to admit it or not you're still dealing with the energy of yeah. people crying in criticizing yeah the internet, commenting. The internet sucks so the internet but but it's it's a again a blessing and a curse the internet how you can distribute your music promote it's also your what music. saved us during covid though yeah but then also the curse of the the faceless nameless uh voices that i think can... that's dying down finally though you know i think in the world i think the world's like kind of like done with that people are bit. getting past the waves of like unfounded just people going after people yeah the, all that being said, all I'm saying is... You can is, take it as flattery, though, really. Like, at least they're speaking about you, if, if that's... All, all I'm saying is, is that back to where we started with, with you, creativity. Yeah. You know, you're wired to be a little anxious. You're wired to be a little ADD, OCD, all the things that come with that wiring. Yeah. And then you add in the pressure of the outside... The, 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 whether it's the, you know, just as many fans as you guys have, which you have tens of millions, whether you realize it or not, you have tens of millions of fans, oh, yeah. whether you want to admit it or realize it or accept it, you have tens of millions of fans around the world. That's, that's where you guys are at. Um, let's call it 20 million, 20 million fans around the world. Yeah. People, people that know your music and like it right now, when in my day, 
that was the equivalent of 20 million albums or singles or t-shirts now it's not <clears throat> now it's it's people streaming it's people on youtube it's people on pandora it's people on apple it, all these different platforms and and i don't even think that they've actually been able to get the metrics all the way right yet of like the impact of an artist it's not just the number of streams it's it's living out beyond that yeah but when you look at like when you look at the the where you guys are at today you have this big fan base yeah so just as many people that like your band there becomes the people that are aware of it and maybe they don't like it or maybe they they maybe they're just bored or whatever all that pressure love hate energy energy pointed at you the dreams you still have to reach even further yeah to create even more to, to outdo yourself that pressure that pressure and then you're already set up to be a little anxious ocd add then you do no sleep now go on sleep know this now throw all that in there you don't even realize you're medicating Right, you're having your drink or whatever. You're yeah. trying to get it's your mind off because yeah. you're not waking up, going, "Wow, I have all this pressure on me. I have this, this, this." You're not having this conversation. I slept like two and a half hours last night. Right, you're just getting up, yeah, being a human. You go to do your show, and it's what you know just to like feel normal during the day. You have a couple of drinks. You want to let some steam off. You're on stage. You might be a little nervous about going on stage. All of it balls up into this big ball of all this crazy. Yeah, don't you think? You're gonna have a breakdown every now and then. Yeah, I've I've been naive to it until as of recently. I've definitely had a couple of them in the last, like, especially when COVID hit. You know, they just went everyone went crazy in that period. But uh, yeah, it's definitely there's definitely like ways to handle it better. Even though it, it of course, but like that's all of us. But I'm very aware of now, like how quickly it can turn to a slippery slope. You don't even realize until you look back at it when you're back home and you go, "Was I that guy?" Yeah, but don't you think crazy? it takes a few years to learn how to drive the thing? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And don't you think your experience has been pretty true to that? Like when I watch you from the outside, I go, you suffer in your own way. Mitchell suffers in his own way. Yeah. And Christian suffers in his own way. He's, yeah. he's Christian stressed about this. Mitchell's dealing with this. You all, but don't you think when I just, I just outlined probably five of I could add five more in. Oh. But family, relationships. I could add moving in houses, all, trying to find a house, moving houses. All while trying to do tours. And then you're you gotta get the tour right. You gotta get the all the stuff right for the tour. Something goes wrong, and the merchant do this and the thing and this and things go wrong. And then they cancel the Brazil thing and then they do the thing. All the stuff. And on that, top of that, having the the control over it because And then having feelings you still have control. You, you wanna have control of like even like even like of uh, I guess, in artistic form, like you, we, we want to be like writing, producing, and mixing our own albums. We could like delegate a bit more, but we don't want to. No, but you so guys add that pressure, and then that's we, we, what, we design our own stages, you know, and we like do like a lot of the visuals for the stage. Yeah, but that is to me what makes Chase Atlantic Chase Atlantic. Yeah, thank right. You. So I'm not saying you guys are complaining about any of it. We just like to add more stress for ourselves, pretty much. But I don't think you look at it more stress. I think it's just a need to do it. Yeah. Um, but I think that like what I'm just saying to you, it's not that I ever hear you guys even complain. What I'm saying is from the outside. Oh, thank you. From the outside, watching you guys do this together. It takes all your effort, 
and I, anyone listening that's trying to do something great, that's trying to achieve things, I promise you this. You guys are living proof, and I'm living proof. I went through it. Yeah. It takes all your effort, all the time, and the entire time you're doing it, you're asking yourself, can I do this? Is this going to happen? Are yeah. we going to make it? I can't live unless I do it my way and I execute my vision. And all of it takes all you have. Don't you think, and you're constantly pushing yourself right to the edge every time. Yeah, I was about to say, whoever's listening, like, it, we don't, we're not very vocal about it as much as, you but know. But no, because you guys aren't going to be because you're just living and breathing yeah. and being you. But if you're not careful, it can burn you out. And like, I've been very close to that. Right. And I've been too close to the sun because of that. Right. But sometimes you just got to take a knee. Yeah. And then you get back up tomorrow. Listen, if I was a Chase Atlantic fan listening right now uh, to the three of you guys in this three-part series, I become more a fan because you guys aren't uh, – you guys are just – you guys are always just yourselves. You're true to yourselves. It's really nice to hear – a band that loves what they do and they're always going to push it to the limit and try to do their best. I quickly though, I wanted to say that like, I am looking forward to this album though, making this album. Well, like, it feels like you're like charged up now. Like I'm, 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 got getting, I'm getting the, yeah, I'm getting the batteries recharged in life and order, but I want to make an album that's, you know, even more impactful than the last and the one before that. And you know, you know how it goes. The last one was my favorite yet. Oh, thank you. And, but like, so you got to start playing friends live. Friends live. I think we do. Or do we stop that? I you can't. don't play it all the Bro. time. Sometimes you don't play it. It makes me. So it made me tired. Bad. I forgot. I'm sorry. You talk. Talk to Christian about that. Actually, did you tell Christian? <laughs> He's the guy that'll nope. tell you. We're not putting it on there. Christian told me he wants to. He, what? He changed his mind. Yeah. Oh, he's crazy. He's making me look bad now. You guys play it sometimes, but when you go to Brazil, you have to play it. A hundred percent. I'm down to play it. And I think there was Mexico. one more thing I wanted to say too. I was talking about you yesterday. I got With a. Quick, I got a quick. Last minute trim for this podcast because I wanted to get rid of the, the Smurf hair. I like it. I'm about to turn 30. Like I'm blue getting hair, yeah. blue right out of there. I like it. Uh, um, but I was talking about you because I think she just moved from Canada. She's working in a salon and she likes it. She talked about the podcast and who you're doing it with. And I said, Oh, it's my manager, Joel. And then, like, how'd you meet him? And I was just thinking back to it. It was kind of sweet yesterday. It was, you were in Australia, you were on Twitter about to start this beautiful company up as we've grown together. And you slid into my DMs. That was it. Yeah. Done. Done deal. We hung out and it was sick. Here we are. The energy was there. But I, it just reminded me. I didn't even. It was it's the best big, yeah. sliding into the DMs uh, it was the of be- my life. Yeah. Not just any other girl. It was just me. No. <laughs> you guys changed my life in a lot of ways. Dude, I that's, what I, that's what I love. It wasn't the sliding in the part. It was the fact that when we finally met that we actually formed a relationship and memories together it's like family it's very hard to explain but like i haven't dreamed you know obviously i know the dream you guys have because i when i was 15 and i started good charlotte with my brother and and billy and paul and um and we're you know as a band we're still we're still together we're still like a family yeah we survived you guys definitely did like you played it really well like you you did everything that I think we believe in too. We yeah, we we survived together. We grew yeah. up together. We 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 gave everything to this band together and we love each other beyond the we love each other beyond the band, beyond the music. It's really nice to see you guys like now and how your relationship But I see is that with you that. guys. But also like I don't know if I've wanted other people I don't know if I've wanted success so bad as I did 
when I was trying to make it with Good Charlotte. hundred percent. Then how I want you guys to succeed. Oh, sorry. Oh, thank you, man. And how I want like the bands we get to know and um the bands that MDDN gets to work with. And MDDN as a company, like the people that work at MDDN like are good people. Yeah. And I don't know if I want a group to succeed so bad as I do this group because Man, like Navid is a Navid He's like he's like the the silent member of the band almost, you know? Yeah. Like so, like your so when you win personally, I feel like I won, and yeah, thank you for believing us. You know what I mean? Like I remember the days when people were like, "Oh, great! Oh, good luck for that! Oh, good luck! Uh, <laughs> yeah." And people don't mean it. Like they can't see it. They can't believe it. It's 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 a good thing because like you saw that, which is beautiful, and it sucks that other people can't but sometimes. Good, yeah, but at the same time, like, if everyone could see it, then there'd be like a bunch of people running around killing it. So. It yeah, kinda, it kind of exactly desaturates the market a little bit. Yeah, and I also think like the proof is in your catalog, and when you go back and you listen to all those songs, they still stand up. Where did you pick up the sax? Like, where, what just, music did you hear that made you want to do sax? No, just in primary school, the teacher like made us try a couple of instruments. That eh, you seem better on that one. There you go. And then it's stuck. I got to the top level of classical music, like like as professionals. You go like sheet music, like really fast, like everything theory as well and then I completely just went I don't want to know about it so I spent four years erasing that for my memory and then picked it back up for Chase's Landing I went I could probably pick up a tenor instead of an alto and make some jazzier sounds and a bit more edgy and then I was like starting from scratch again and now I just use it as a tool for expression rather than technicality um yeah it would be nice if I practice my parts before going on tour a little bit more which I will from now on um but yeah, for me, it's just expression and feel now. Because I can hear people play some crazy stuff, but I'm like, why would you like hit the note like that, like or not bend it or like not do a growl there or something like that? It's like you're kind of just playing the stock standard version of the song. For me, it's just a yeah, it's an expression tool rather than a technical like jazz tool. But that being said, it would be cool to know a little bit of jazz. It's pretty crazy. When I play the wrong notes, I say it's jazz because jazz That's has it. every note, yeah. right? It's jazz. And Pat just looks at me and goes, "Jazz fusion. It's jazz fusion." I feel like you guys represent Australia really well. I think you you represent Australian music in a really interesting way. Thank you. Uh, it's just different. Yeah. Uh, and when you, but the band checks out when you see you live. When you check your musician, you know your your musicianship. When you check your your songwriting, your production skills. You know, for Chase Atlantic as an entity that does. All of it in house, the production, the recording, yeah. the writing, the directing, all of it. So I feel like you guys have that work ethic and the humility, that kind of Aussie humility of just doing, get, getting the job done and doing it, and and kind of yeah. um, keeping you guys. You, you know, you you guys are all truly really Aussie. I mean, all the way up to the how you go on stage, to how you represent yourselves in the world. Um, we even do the Aussie 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 chant. Of course, oh, wait, wait, like wait, wait, that's wait. it. Uh, you guys are in a lot of ways you're as Aussie as it gets. Uh, in other ways you're you're like a new different version of Australian music. Uh, but I love how you guys represent yourselves and how you represent where you're Thank from. You. Um, how good did it feel to go back to Australia and sell out all those shows and have that experience in the place you started? 
how good did it did that feel well a little bit of a lengthier answer but you know being younger you're always a little bit more cocky and naive yeah and we went there wasn't a lot happening in the industry in australia at the time especially for what we were doing right and i'm not trying to hate on it but it wasn't for us and we're like we got to get out of here man but uh yeah, and, at all, that and point, kids want to leave anyway. And at that point, yeah, exactly. And at that point, um, you know, I feel like our fans were younger too, and there was a little bit of tall poppy syndrome where, of course, for for a fair few years they were like, "Why would they like go to America? Like, screw them! Like, we're not go see Chase right. Atlantic in Australia." But then it like just picked up like just before COVID hit a little bit, and I started seeing other artists doing merch, doing similar things, and I mean, then realizing other artists had been doing cool things without me not noticing because I was young and naive. Yeah. And then I started getting like a little bit of respect again, like for everything, a little bit more respect because I always had the respect. Um, but still, I was like, yeah, no, I still need to be in America. I think we should keep doing stuff like for the whole world. You know what I mean? Well, you've built out a global brand that is, yeah. is you know, America and the UK, the things that you're doing around the world. It, it is central to, you know, you guys have a huge fan base in South America, yeah. Brazil, you have a huge fan base in Europe. Yeah. There is a little bit of a central... Australia's like, just an island far away. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's a little bit tough and isolating but out there. It, you could say, though, that for Chase Atlantic to exist in what you guys have to do and where you operate, it makes sense for you to be in America. Yeah. But I'm proud to be an Australian. I wouldn't right. change that. And going home and doing those big sold-out shows, yeah. had to f- I think... That was beautiful. A nice moment. Yeah. That was beautiful. Um. Just knowing that, like, they sold out so quickly, too. Yeah. And I was like, damn, this is actually really cool. And for anyone listening that is a Chase Atlantic fan around the world that doesn't know what tall poppy syndrome is, it's very kind of old school Australian. It's been around forever. But basically, (laughs) no, yeah, tall poppy syndrome is kind of a, a thing they talk about a lot in Australia where... They have a tendency. You think you're better than me? You'd had to leave to go right. somewhere else. Is this idea that if an Australian goes out and has success, the the Australia or the the culture will chop you down? Yeah, screw them. Why should I care about them? They abandoned us anyway. Right, or, or just to make sure you don't think you're better than us. Yeah, you're not better than us. It listen. It, they're they're a humble country. We're a humble country. Humble country. Also, I understand as an Australian. See, I haven't I haven't had to deal with that. Because I'm not from Australia. Yeah. So, but I can understand how it would be frustrating. But they treat you very down to earth. They're like very like, yeah. they try and be very. Uh, I feel just, like just I may have had a tall poppy moment or two when I was there a lot. Yeah. And they were like, like, but that being said, I maybe I'm just like. Oh, I mean, you're going to get it from all, like any, like anywhere in the world. Maybe I much. just love Australia and I wanted to be Australian and I was imagining it. But <laughs> what I'm saying is is though even though it would be hard to deal with coming from the place you're from. And I think that every place does that a little bit. You could say that Maryland does that a little bit. Yeah. You could say that any lo- local place like like you could but as hard as it might be to deal with when you're going through it or experiencing it, it does give you a bit of like toughness. Tough love. And it humbles you whether you like it or not. You kind of have to deal with it because you have to go home. It keeps you grounded as well, though. So it's not a necessarily a terror. No. Not the worst thing. No, it's not. It, it can be, like, very disappointing, especially when you're trying to make it and right. you haven't quite made it yet. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just to sell out, like, the Horn Pavilion and stuff like that. But what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Exactly. And it, 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 it kind of ma- it makes the, the acceptance going back 
that much more sweet because you know where it like all started and I mean everything started in Australia anyway. That's how we all started there. That's where we met. Yeah, exactly. And we were making music there the whole time. Parents' yeah. bedroom, our saw you guys bedroom. play that show. Uh, it was a good yes, show. That was, like 150 kids there. Put on ourselves. Remember that? Yeah. That was a. Uh, I was like stressed. I was like, we need to make sure this is all good, blah, blah, blah. And then that girl had a seizure and I was like, oh no. You guys had all the flashing lights and that girl had a seizure. I was trying to, I was trying to impress you like, guys and I was like, damn dude, it. It was great <sighs> though. It was a great show. Obviously the girl was okay. Yeah, died. yeah, of course. And we sent so, her, we, we checked her in the hospital, gave her flowers and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. We, we do care you about that do stuff that. very much. It was just like a, nah, it was great. Thanks, Clinton. Thank you so much for having me. Happy Appreciate Valentine's it. Day. Happy Valentine's Day, brother. Love you. Love you. Thank you for the rose. You're mm. welcome. All right, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Next week, part three, Chase Atlantic, I'll be speaking to Mitchell Cave.